Hello and welcome back to another episode of No Country for Old Meg. These recent episodes have been coming to you from Tokyo, Japan. If you're listening on iTunes, please do leave a review. If you are listening on Spotify, I recommend that you follow so you can stay up to date with future episodes. So before beginning, just a quick content warning that in the second half of this episode, I will be briefly speaking about sexual harassment. If this is a topic that you would prefer to avoid, just listen to the first half of the episode and I will give a warning later on when that segment is about to begin. So I've been researching the topic of gender equality in Japan for the past few weeks. Whatever information I provide here might not be 100% because it's based on what I've seen or heard from Japanese people and from what I've read online. So I'm sure someone who has actually lived here their whole lives will possibly have a very different view on things. But this information is from the perspective of an outsider. So while Japan is seen as quite a modern and futuristic country, it still seems to suffer massively from misogyny and these kind of old-fashioned patriarchal views. I mean, it's slowly moving forward in terms of recognizing women's rights, but it's still years behind so many other developed countries. It currently has the lowest ranking in gender equality among the G7 countries. And on a global scale, Ireland actually ranks quite high at number nine, whereas Japan sits, sadly, at number 110. Unsurprisingly, actually, the Scandinavian countries are closer to the top and Iceland comes in at number one with almost complete gender equality based on the criteria for judging it. I mean, I don't think any country has reached a level of complete equality, but there's a lot of countries who are really making progress. When we look back at the repeal campaign and the marriage equality campaigns in Ireland, it's really amazing to see the amount of people who have stood up for gender equality and for women's rights. I think this is something that hasn't quite been pushed enough in Japan. ...dominated and shrinking workforce. But women have long dealt with a traditionalist society where they are expected to grow a family instead of entering the workforce. In that light, what is life really like for women in Japan? Well, So at the moment, Japan actually has a record high percentage of women in the workplace. They now make up 44% of the labor force. I mean, traditionally, women had to stop working once they got married, which is much like in Ireland up until, I think it was 1973. However, in 2019, still many women follow this tradition. The idea that a woman's role is to raise children and take care of the home is still quite dominant, I suppose. I mean, that's not to say that before marriage, women don't work. In fact, many have really good careers and third-level education. Again, a record high number of women are receiving graduate degrees. But after marriage, it seems that less than 30% of women continue working. When Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe took office five years ago, he recognized the economic impact of these factors and turned to an underutilized section of Japanese society for a fix, bringing more women into the workplace. And it strikes me as just bizarre how Japan can be so futuristic in so many ways. I mean, when you think of Japan, you probably think of like robots, technology, infrastructure, and you feel like it's almost this weird world in the future. Yet they still maintain what we would consider as massively like old-fashioned and outdated beliefs. So here, corporations can hire staff based on placing them into one of two tracks. So there is the Sogushoku track, which states that it may require employees to transfer locations. The second track, which is, I think, Ipan Shoku, 
I could be pronouncing these totally wrong. But yeah, in the second track, 80% of these workers are women. So there exists this like loophole where companies can separate their staff by gender. However, the female employment rate, like I said, is at a record high and it's slowly rising because men's salaries have not increased in the past few years. And this has resulted in less men getting married and therefore more unmarried women staying in the workplace. Men believe that they have to have a certain income in order to support a wife and family. So if they feel that they don't have a high enough income, they're less likely to get married. ...seats in Japan's parliament last month. During his five years in power, one of Abe's top economic goals has been to expand Japan's workforce and increase productivity by seeing more women employed. The approach has become known as... And much like many other countries, where girls tend to do better in secondary school exams than boys, it's the same in Japan. Girls statistically do better in high school leaving exams. It recently came out that one of the most prestigious medical schools had been altering exam entrance scores for over a decade in order to restrict the number of female students being admitted. So it turned out they were going through the exams and adding an extra 20 points to male applicants' results because they figured that women would be more difficult to work with. And as well as that, they said they were concerned over the fact that many women will need to leave the workplace in order to give birth or raise families. A scandal that shook Japan and revealed a deep-seated discrimination against women. Behind this manipulation, a desire to restrict the number of women doctors as they are likely to stop working when they become mothers. So Japan's population is falling and it's one of the few populations in the world, I think, to be going down rather than up. And they thought at first that this was because elderly people here have a really long lifespan or that people work too much and aren't as interested in marriage. And both of these are true, but it's also because I think Japan are making it a very difficult place to be a mother. You know, if you're motivated and want to do well in your career, it seems like you either have the choice of pushing your way forward in that or having a family. They really don't make it possible for you to have both. So even before entering the workforce, women are facing massive discrimination. And the Prime Minister has said that he wants to create a society in which women can shine, I quote. And he did make the attempt to bring more women ministers into Parliament. Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has reshuffled his 18-member cabinet, increasing the number of women from two to five. He's also. However, a few years ago when he did employ five female ministers, I think four of them ended up resigning due to harassment. So it's here that I'd like to mention sexual harassment in Japan. There's currently no legal provisions prohibiting sexual harassment. And for a society which is so notoriously polite and respectful, there remains this huge problem with sexual harassment. And according to a survey, 70% of women say that they have been targeted in some way in public. 50% of women said that they've experienced unwarranted touching or groping on public transport. I'm lucky that I haven't experienced or viewed this kind of thing on public transport. I really don't know how I would react. But the expected reaction in Japan is to do nothing, because losing your temper is seen as losing face. And despite Japan's extremely low violent crime rate, women still have to deal with this kind of public assault, and they tend to be blamed for speaking up about it here. And most cases go unreported because they tend to be talked out of it by the police because the threat of wrongful 
accusation makes it much more difficult to proceed with the charge. But during rush hours, most trains have women-only carriages, which, despite being beneficial in helping women feel safer, it also seems like a really bizarre and sad concept to think that women-only carriages are necessary in order for women to avoid groping and unwanted touching. In August of this year, a company released an anti-groping stamp. So in Japan, when you need to sign a document for like a parcel or something, there's a really tiny circle instead of the line like we have. So I usually just put in my initials. It's there because most people have a personalized stamp with their surname or their initials written in the kanji alphabet. So they simply stamp in the circle. So stamp companies are kept well in business here. And one of the companies released this anti-groping stamp and the first 500 of them sold out in 30 minutes. So this stamp allows women to stamp a groper on the hand with invisible ink, which is only visible under UV lighting. It's designed mainly as a deterrent and comes with a strap that you can put on your handbag or backpack to warn those nearby that you're carrying one of those stamps. However, there doesn't really seem to be many repercussions other than the groper having their hand stamped and feeling embarrassed uh, to be seen getting stamped by other people. I don't think it's a good enough repercussion. However, like I said, in a culture where you're not supposed to lose face in public, perhaps it fe- to the women it feels like they're actually doing something in response to unwanted touching. Moving on from assault, one of the things women are strictly banned from partaking in here is sumo wrestling. They aren't actually even allowed to enter the ring I mean, I could understand if they made a women's version of sumo wrestling and a men's version, but they actually just say women full stop cannot partake. But in 2018, um, a mayor of a city was like given a speech in one of the rings and he collapsed and a female nurse rushed to help him and was told to leave the ring. So this rule was seen as more important than this man's life at that time. A lot of these facts and statistics are pretty depressing and they don't paint a very good description of Japan. But I do think the attitudes here are slowly changing. Social issues such as feminism and women's rights and living in such a repressed nation makes it a really difficult place for women. Again, I haven't firsthand experienced any of this and I hope not to, of course. But that's not to say that the problem is out there and women are facing these kind of issues every day. So I can only hope that slowly but surely Japan finds its voice and stands up against these gender inequalities. I think they're becoming aware of it and I think they're starting to realise that it shouldn't just be the norm that this kind of old-fashioned and outdated view of women's place being in the home is no longer acceptable And I really hope that future generations build upon this and make it a better country for all genders. So next week I'm going to take a more positive view on life in Japan and I'm going to be talking about dating and marriage. And hopefully I will be interviewing a friend of mine who is quite the Tinder connoisseur here in Tokyo. So if you enjoyed this episode, once again, please do rate on iTunes or share the episode with your friends, etc. That would be wonderful. And in the meantime, thank you once again for listening to No Country for Old Meg.